Are you ready? It's that time! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the 20th episode of Season 2 of Man, Buns, and Jesus. Still haven't figured out how we're going to decide when Season 3 is going to start, so there's that. Neither of us actually have Man Buns today, if you're watching the video, but we're still here, and we're not going to change the name of the show again, so there we are. And uh, I'm, I'm one of your hosts, Pastor Josh Laborious. I'm a pastor out in Southern California. And the scruffy gentleman uh, with me here today is Pastor Ben Olschlager, the other host of this wonderful show. Uh, and he's a pastor somewhere in in what will soon be an Arctic wasteland. What are we talking about today, Ben? <laughs> we got a few months before Arctic wasteland levels of, of cold and snow here. Um, well, that's because you and I define Arctic wasteland very differently. That That's very true. Uh, just as a point of reference, I wear shorts in the winter, uh, basically regardless of temperature until it gets below zero. Um, it's great. I can't feel my legs anymore. Um, That's not a good thing. <laughs> no a lot of circumstances, me. you need to go to the ER for that. Um, anyway, so today on the podcast... Um, we wanted to do something a little bit, I don't know, more lighthearted, but not necessarily like lighthearted, lighthearted. Um, so we're going to talk about success and specifically what it looks like for a church to be successful. There's a, a lot of different ways that um, churches will kind of measure themselves these days. And we kind of just want to talk about what it truly looks like for a church to kind of do a self-health assessment um so first things first like the majority of churches today judge their success on um one of a few metrics big one being worship attendance that's usually the the most frequently cited um metric that churches use to to talk about their health. Um, the second one, uh, some churches, especially older churches, will cite their membership. Um, and for us in the Lutheran church, you have two different membership uh, numbers, either met, uh, baptized or confirmed. They're exactly what they sound like. Have they gone through confirmation or adult confirmation or not? Um, and then the third one, um, and this one's not as often cited by by churches that meet regularly in person, um, but for some churches who have a large uh, online presence or online component, um, oftentimes there's a kind of monetary health aspect of what they do um, for basically like if we're doing something good, our budgets will continue to get uh, covered by the giving we receive, regardless of how many people are here in, in 
physical worship with us versus you know out in the the internet sphere so i think i mean there's there's certainly others that people use but when you look at church health those are probably the big three in terms of the way that churches measure success uh, and so josh my question for you right off the bat today is are those healthy ways to look at church success or church health um I got to give you a solid yes and no. And, okay. and <laughs> That's a very wishy-washy solid. <laughs> <laughs> Facts. Um, I want to be really upfront with everyone. Uh, I'm a math guy. I'm a numbers guy. But, and I'm explaining this, Ben, so you know, because I genuinely believe that the average person has no idea how to deal with statistics at all. <laughs> all right. Because I, and, and this isn't, we're not opening this can of worms, but through the COVID pandemic, I saw a lot of statistics all over the news, all over the internet. And all I could think is this is a terrible, these are terrible uses of statistics, right? Um, so the reason I say yes and no is because each of these values does or I shouldn't say does, can say something about church health, right? Um, because if you're a healthy congregation, people are going to be in worship. If people are in worship, your worship attendance is higher. Yes. Um, the difficulty with that statistic is if, say, you have a, a congregation of 100 members, and each of these 100 members are in church half the time, which by our standards today is fairly active. Your worship attendance is going to look like 50 people, which is inaccurate. You have 100 active people in worship. You're just average single, like on a Sunday attendance is going to be 50 because those hundred people who are consistent attenders are only there half the time. So the, the difficulty with just tracking worship attendance is I think it, it doesn't give you as an accurate a picture as you would like. I think you're probably better off tracking how many people do you have in work. You set your threshold for what does it mean to be an active member? And you say, how many people are above that number? So if you're a member at Edgewater, no, I I know exact. I I have that number. There is a spreadsheet. It has everyone's name on it. Um, and on Monday, I or on Sunday afternoon, I go through everyone who is in worship. I put I put that they were in worship, and it calculates the statistic. And we keep over the past three months. What was your percentage? Um, how often were you in worship? Um, so that's that's the difficulty with the worship attendance. The membership one, I think, is trickier because I think for almost all churches that number is very much inflated. And if we're talking about how do you measure the health and the success of a church, if your numbers are bad, your assessment is bad. And I think for a lot of churches, they say, "Oh, we have 500 members and 50 show up in worship." I'm sorry, 
you don't have 500 members. At one point, 500 people went through your church. That's that's what you can tell me. Um, so I think the membership one is actually one of the least useful of these three statistics. I think that there was a point in society where where group identity and group membership was very, very important to a lot of people. You had people who joined all sorts of civic clubs and, and it was like, like what clubs you were a part of was a big part of life. I don't think we're there necessarily as more anymore. I think membership as an idea is less important than it used to be. And I think it's gonna to continue to be less important so of, of these three statistics, I'd say membership doesn't give you a great indicator of the health of the church other than are you growing or are you shrinking? And you can probably tell that by your, by your worship numbers. Um, and then the third number, the monetary one, I hate to say it, and I know there are people who are gonna, who are gonna not like this, but yeah, that's a really good metric of the health of the church, but not in, the not in a business model kind of way it's it's important for a church to be able to pay their bills right i'm not going to deny that you gotta pay your bills it takes money to exist in this world that's reality um i don't think that's a great indicator of the health of the church because uh, i'm thinking there's a congregation in metro st louis they're in a really poor area of town they are a very healthy congregation. Their annual budget, they, they don't bring in enough to cover their annual budget because that's not who is worshiping there. But there's, I would still call them a very healthy congregation. And you might be sitting there thinking, Ben, and, and anyone listening might be, you just said it was actually a really good statistic, but then you said it was a bad one. If you're just looking how much money are we taking in, I think a better, if you want to look at What's the health of the congregation? Look at the number of families that consistently give. Because giving is a reflect, it's, a, it's an act of spiritual worship. It's a reliance on God saying, if I give up this, God is gonna take care of me. Um, and it, it is a reflection of your priorities, right? If if your church tithe is the last thing that comes out of your paycheck every month, that's the least important thing you're spending money on. I mean, it just is what it is. If it's the most important thing you're spending money on, you're gonna pay that bill first, or you're gonna give that donation first. So rather than how much money you're taking in, I, I think a better metric when you're talking about the health of the church is how many people are consistently giving. Right, and, and I'm gonna brag on Edgewater a little bit. We have, uh, as of our last voters meeting, we've grown since then, but as of our last voters meeting, we have 32 families in the congregation um, that are either members or regular attenders. 29 of them give on a regular basis. So, and, and just kind of a simple example of what that means is this weekend I looked at my texts, I had the opportunity to preach on a stewardship text. And frankly, it would have been a lot of fun for me to preach on. But that's not what the congregation needs. In that way, we're a very healthy congregation. People give. Um, they take it seriously as an act of worship, and, and we can be really proud of that. So 
all two of these three statistics I, I think that are very helpful if gathered the right way and if considered in the right light um, is my opinion anyway so what you're saying is church health is incredibly multifaceted and we need to have a lot of different ways of looking at whether or not a church is healthy oh yeah you, you don't need a spreadsheet ladies and gentlemen you need a database <laughs> for any of you who aren't math and computer science people a database is like a whole ton of spreadsheets that are interlocked and connected to each other. I'm going to geek out more than I thought I was this episode. I'm sorry about that, Ben. That's okay. But it's inevitable. As long as you take the opportunity to explain what's going on so that our uh, less statistically inclined listeners know what we're talking about, that's that's great. So I think we've now kind of hit on two aspects of church health that are good to kind of keep an eye on if not in some way measure one being um the congregation's responsiveness to the word of god in their giving one being um, an active desire to participate in the community of god through worship and just being present in the community um what other things as a church, should we be measuring? What other things as a church should we be looking for in terms of the way that we look at church health? I don't, this, this answer is not satisfactory to me, but I think okay. it's right anyway. Okay. Just went through this spiel. I love numbers. I love math. I think if you want an honest, faithful assessment of how um healthy a church is it's not a numbers thing numbers can give you a picture of where you maybe need to improve but the reality is i think the the best metric for the church is are we fulfilling the mission that god has put before the church are we faithfully proclaiming the gospel and are we making disciples the faithful proclamation of the gospel is a yes or no answer. <laughs> it's right? a binary answer. It's a like, zero. <laughs> on Sunday, does someone at some point remind everyone in the room that they are forgiven because of Jesus' sacrifice? Right? That either happens or it doesn't. Like, it's not a, uh, well, we kind of do that. It's... It's not complicated enough for a kind of answer. Is the gospel proclaimed or is it not? Period. Um, so in that way, you know, your church, I would say, is functional. You get a C if you're proclaiming the gospel every week. If we're grading health, though, that's when the discipleship comes in because that's a kind of answer and discipleship is is something that resists measurement there are a ton of statistics you can you could try and gather to measure discipleship you could say you know I, we already mentioned a couple how faithfully do people give how often are they in worship those are two elements um, how much time do people give to serving their community right how many people do you have involved with nonprofits um, 
how are Bible people study with their attendance. Bible study attendance, small group involvement, um, how many people show up to church community events and actually care about building a community more than we show up to worship on Sunday. Um, you could measure how how our parents teaching their kids, our kids being discipled by their families. You could measure how much how much are people in personal devotion, right? The difficulty with each and every one of these numbers is realistically speaking, it has to be a self-reported statistic. If you want these numbers, you have to survey people and say, how often are you in devotion? How, how often do you serve community stuff? You, you can track attendance for the church stuff, but for that personal discipleship, you're relying on self-reporting which as far as I'm concerned, almost immediately means your statistics are highly suspect because people give themselves the benefit of the doubt. They are gonna be as anyway. generous as possible when answering those questions. Josh, are you telling me that people are going to lie on a church survey? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> And even if they don't lie, they're going to stretch the truth. That's right? still a lie. <laughs> if, if you do, yes, yes, um, yes it is. But if, say you do personal devotions four nights a week. If you get a survey from your pastor, I bet you're going to say five or six nights a week. If you're audacious, you're going to say seven nights a week. If I was, if I was reading the survey, and I saw a response that said they did their personal devotion seven nights a week. In my congregation, there are maybe four people. I would believe that number. And I, for anyone else, I'm not holding it against them, right? I, I don't consistently do devotion seven nights a week, right? Life happens. Sometimes you get to the end of the day, you lay down, and you're just, you're dead to the world, right? So when you're gathering these statistics, your accuracy is suspect. And so I think if you really, if you, if you want, how's the discipleship of the church going, you can look at those numbers, but in reality, what you need to do is take a second and gather all the humility. Like if you're in a leadership team and you're saying, how's the health of the congregation? You take a second, you pray for humility, for honesty, you take a second to get your ego out of the way, to, to put it out of the room. And it's a gut thing. Are, are, we, are we doing what we should be? Are we discipling people? Are we, are, are we closer to God's will for us than we were a year ago? You can gather numbers on that, but really I, I think it's a, a reflective prayerful thing you gotta just kind of are we doing what we should be um, which like i said isn't super satisfying and if you're a business person that's that's terrible right how do you measure success well you kind of feel it out whether or not you're successful that's not a satisfying answer you want numbers, you want cost risk analysis, you want, uh, that's, that's my, th I mean, what do you think? I mean, I think you're more or less spot on. Like, like you said, you can measure all of those different aspects of 
of people's involvement in a congregation of of like the things that they're doing um and like you said there's certainly going to be some some skew in the numbers in terms of the way that people are going to answer those questions but i think realistically like most pastors a lot of elders a lot of you know church councils or leadership groups or whatever you you call your leadership at your church they're going to know is this church truly healthy and they're going to respond kind of in step with that so if your you know if your congregation is you know, struggling with its attendance and giving because the the church's li like community life has struggled for a while and people are just desperate to see the church hold on chances are that a lot of the 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 actions the policies the budget that people go to from there is going to be very preservationist and so you can read that room and go Guys, we're not focused on being the church. We're just focused on this institution staying alive. Um, and, you know, kind of the same thing on the other side with a, with a healthy congregation. If you've got a, a church that's, you know, growing and flourishing, where you're seeing baptisms and, and uh, confirmations and conversions, um, you're going to know that because... You're going to see people coming in. You're going to see people in faithful service. You're going to see people uh, in faithful giving. You're going to see people like one of the things that that's kind of a cue to me as to whether or not someone's really trying to grow in their faith or take this part of their life seriously, which is another like kind of true false metric. Um, but when I get questions from people on Sunday morning or uh, Wednesday afternoon or throughout the week for whatever reason on, you know, their personal devotion time. Hey, pastor, I didn't understand this verse. What's going on here? Um, or I, I leave the, the start of Bible stud, study every Sunday morning open to questions people have about life and how our faith interacts with different aspects of life. And so like if, and you only have those questions, if you're in devotion, and thinking about what all this means for life. Yeah, or even just prayerfully considering, hey, I saw this thing on the news. It's troubling to me. How do we respond to this? Like, even those kinds of things tell me, hey, there, there is some aspect of what you are doing in your life that you are trying to walk Christian walk. Um, and so to me, like, again, it's a very true-false metric, but just seeing people engaging their faith in different aspects of life, um, whether it's in, in their personal devotion, whether it's in the way that they interact with the world, whether it's in how we share the gospel, um, all of those things to me are huge. Um, and then this is, this is one statistic that I will put some stock in. And Josh, you can criticize me all you want for this, but, uh, like the ratio of baptized babies per year to the size of your congregation and how many of those babies are in attendance on a regular basis. I'll, I'll give you 
It's got to be a combined statistic, though. Well, I, I, I'll, I give more weight to one half of that pair, right? Because it, if you're just like, if you're looking at baptized babies, that you're gonna have some come the, to your congregation that just they don't stick, right? Well, I, I'm if your congregation is beyond that stage of life, that number is going to be really low, and it's not necessarily that your congregation's not healthy. So maybe just, maybe I should just rephrase that as baptisms, period. But the the caveat is I, you stepped on something there, and that's retention. Yeah. Right? When you baptize people, when you confirm people, are they sticking around? Um, well, and I think another, uh, this is a one of the unmeasurables, is the foundation of what we do is relationships mm -hmm. um, speaking from a little bit of personal experience because i for for anyone who doesn't know i'm in a, a doctorate of education program and to write your dissert it's a research doctorate it's not a uh, you're not writing a book report right i have to do qualitative or quantitative research on whatever and the dissertation I'm planning on writing is looking at the relational impact or the, the impact of relational discipleship on LCMS congregations. So I can tell you from firsthand experience, it is exceedingly difficult to try and measure relationships and their impact on people's lives. However, I, I am genuinely convinced, and this is one of the things I want to, I want to demonstrate with my study. It is the single most impactful part of a congregation's ministry. I don't care how good your sermons are. I don't care how good your Bible studies are. The relationships of your congregation in your congregation, that is what drives ministry more than anything else. Um, but that's like, that's really hard to measure. I can tell you that's, that's really hard to measure. My, my professor, I was writing, uh, a research profile on what I want to do. And my professor was like, good luck, man. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm a glutton for punishment. Um, I, I want to, <laughs> can I just throw a couple of things at you that, that back up what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. yeah of course. If you're going to so, support what I'm saying, of course, of course I want the help. <laughs> so there, there's a couple like, even just really trivial statistics that that I can quote here that um, kind of point to what you're saying more on the like the relationships are are incredibly important as part of our our church communities side of things. When when somebody comes to a new place for the first time, whether it's a church or uh, an office or um, a school doesn't matter the thing that they take away more than anything else is their interactions with the first people that they meet and there was a, a church planting group an evangelical church planting group i think it was axio enterprises i don't remember off the top of my head but they were doing some research on what draws people into a congregation and the things that they found to be the most compelling to people in terms of their retention or one if you walked in the door 
and at least two people asked you your name and remembered it when you saw them the next time, that led to like an 80 or 90% retention. So there's one. And then two was the consistency with which they saw people that they, they knew and recognized in worship. So like- Folks, it's as easy as that. Like, like basically and, and, when, when somebody new visits your congregation, when somebody new meets the people in your church, when somebody- Care enough meets, to remember their name and be there consistently so they see that you're there. Yeah, because if, if you're not there consistently to interact with the rest of the community of Christ, and I know that there are circumstances where you can't necessarily make it every week, but like if you're there, if you're not there consistently, it tells them, A, you don't care about this place or what it's teaching or whatever else, and B, you probably don't care about them. Because if you don't care about this place, you don't care about the other people there, how much are you going to care about this new person that walked in? Yeah. Well, and what's crazy to me is is how many books have been written on church growth and evangel. Like I, I, I have two bookshelves in my closet back there. Uh, they're half bookshelves. They're not full mm. bookshelves. I don't have a ton of books. I probably have four books on there that I picked up during my time at seminary on church growth. And we're overthinking it. Mm-hmm. We're, we're overthinking it. Just mm-hmm. uh, actually care about the people who walk in the door. It is as simple as that. Um, and if you have people that you care about that have a hard time walking through that door, hold their hand and walk them through that door. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's it's much less difficult than I think a lot of people make it. Mm-hmm. Evangelism is not, I, I hate the fact that we have built up evangelism to be this big, scary thing and you have to have a speech ready to go and you have to know just the right words. No, evangelism is as simple as, hey, friend that I have, I care about you and I think this is really good and I think it's really good for you. Mm-hmm. Will you come with me? It says easy as that and if your church is healthy and proclaiming the gospel every week that'll take care of the rest because they'll come with you you'll hold their hand as they walk through that door and then they hear the gospel the holy spirit does everything else um so we've kind of bashed on a little bit of these statistics these numbers as far as measuring church health but i i want to redeem them a little bit if i can (laughs) Because they can, while they may not be the best way to determine church health, they can direct your action to make you more or less healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, Right? So if, I mean, on a fundamental level, level, statistics tell you that if you're, you, you don't want to ever exceed 80% of the seating capacity of your space. Because then if you have a visitor, they're going to feel like there's not room for them. Mm-hmm. Um, for members of Edgewater, that's why we started adding the seventh row of chairs lately. So we stay above that, above that, or below that number. Um, 
if you notice that people aren't giving regularly, you teach to that. If you notice that people aren't um, aren't involved with personal devotions, you you work on that. You provide opportunities for that. You you kind of push people and challenge people a little bit on that. Um, and on the flip side, statistics and numbers can tell you when things don't work. Because sometimes they don't. Right? If you if you did if you've done something for evangelism or outreach in the community and you did it for years and there's not a single person in your congregation who's there as a result of that effort that is not an effective outreach strategy. You might love it. You might love doing it. It might bring you so much joy. And maybe you still do it as a service, uh, a community service opportunity. But it's, it's not, it's failed as an outreach. And if you're trying to do outreach, you don't do that. You don't do things that don't work. Um, in the same way, uh, if, if you're doing if you're putting out material for people's personal devotion and it never gets used, you gotta change it, right? So statistics can tell you when you maybe need to do something in an area or when something isn't working like you thought it would and you need to change how you're approaching it. So whether or not it tells you the health of the congregation, we there's an argument on that. I lean on the side of not well. It doesn't tell you really well. Can it inform you in, in a way that will improve the health of the congregation? Yeah, it can It can do that much. Um, is kind of where I, I rest on a lot of that stuff. And like at Edgewater, we've, we've made decisions based on numbers to try and better serve uh, people at the congregation. Um, and I think most of those decisions have been good. I guess I've only been here a year, so I can't tell you long term can't tell you if they're if they're going to bite us five years from now or not but for now everything's everything's fine i think i mean i think this kind of brings us to a point where we we can kind of start to draw a conclusion um because i think we've kind of now come full circle on this like we started out talking numbers we started out talking like here are the metrics that will pe that people will often use to talk about church health then we went on to like here's 15 other metrics that people have attempted to use to talk church health and then just crapped the whole thing <laughs> because like like you and i both know and i think like a lot of our listeners probably know like there's only so much that these numbers can tell you you got to have yeah. I drew a conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> For uh, those of you listening to the podcast, I have two note cards with the word conclusion drawn in bubble letters. I'm I'm very proud of myself. Uh, I think I might frame this piece of art and uh <laughs> This is where I feel like I need to ask, is Chris expecting? Because like that seemed a little too dad joke for me. Anyway, um that wasn't a dad joke. That was no, such a dad joke. Anyway, I, 
I'll well, I'll commit. That's I'll, a topic I'll go for another podcast. Then. <laughs> that's a topic for another podcast. What is the strict definition of a dad joke? So um, everyone knows what not to do. No. So you know what to do in what circumstance. Gosh. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> so like as a conclusion, I think what Ju- Josh was really getting at right at the end there. <clears throat> excuse me. What Josh was really getting at right at the end there. Like numbers can be a good thing for us to look at. Um, they can be a way for us to make sure that we are are covering the needs in our community, that we are serving the people in our midst, that um, the people who are <clears throat> a part of our community are really truly being Can cared some, for. Some water, Ben. I'm good. I just had like a piece of, I don't know, something stuck caught in the back of my throat. Um, for example, like an attendance metric. If you see that somebody goes from attending 80% of the time to 10% of the time in a one-year span, like there might be something going on and you should maybe go back and talk to that person. Or if, you know, 50% of your your immediate surroundings at your church have a hard time paying for food every week, there's a need that you can meet in your community. Um, like those kind of statistics are great. But in the end, like the best way to measure church health or church success is be a part of the church because you'll just kind of know and then be humble about the way that you process what you see and observe and know um, so that you're not trying to hold on to things in pride. Josh, you want to add anything to that? I don't think so. All right. Did you have a third? Did you have a third prong? To what? You said you had a plan for the podcast, and I saw three things, like three lines, and I I only counted two of them. Well, so the first one was, what are we using currently? The second one was, like, what is, what are we actually, or what should we actually be measuring, um, or observing, or whatever? And then the third one was, so how do we like? kind of pull that all together okay i'm satisfied then cool um does that mean we did takeaways did we do takeaways and i just totally missed it uh yeah we just kind of (laughs) did okay um prayer requests uh pray for healthy churches and um i think pray that people would use use data appropriately right all these ways we measure health or we measure things that are going on in the church pray that people would use them honestly and and that the decisions made based on them would be for the benefit of the church Um, i pray for i can't there are two things on that paper it's bleeding through. It says, pray for the humility to understand the health of your church. Yeah, that's that's a good and those are some tough things, but that's why you're praying about them. So, yeah. 
Um, with that shameless plug, exciting plug, we're finally on Pandora. It took freaking a year and and two months, but we got there. Your boy um, wishes he had an air horn. I should have downloaded an app. Um, so we are now we are on, as far as I'm aware, all the major podcasting platforms. There are other ones that we could submit to, but I've never heard of them before. So I'm not going to go through the effort unless one of you says, oh, I only listen to it on podcastnotes.com. I'll make fun of you a little bit, and then I guess I can try and put it on, on there too. But we're on we're on Pandora, we're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, um, Stitcher, which is apparently a thing. So wherever you listen to podcasts, check us out. Please subscribe to validate the time we spend doing this. Um, I don't know if I told you, we have 18 subscribers on Spotify, which doesn't sound like a lot, but I'm pretty happy with that number. So. Um, and, uh, tell your friends, share good spicy episodes with your friends. And we have a Facebook page that you can use to contact us. If you want us to talk about a specific topic, or if you want to come on as a guest, or if you want us to try and get someone on as a guest, all of those suggestions, consider our Facebook page, our suggestion box, and we check it occasionally like a real suggestion box. If you think a guest is too big for this podcast, chances are they probably are, but we'll try anyway. This this is true. Um, I mean, we've already gotten what I would consider guests that are too big for us. I mean, yeah. We got I the president of Ambassadors of Reconciliation. Like, what? Yeah, I tried reaching out to the new King of England and his people, and they didn't get back to me, so... I briefly thought about reaching out to Joe Rogan. You'd probably lose some subscribers, but that's okay. That would be a fun episode, though. Um, There would probably have to be a parental warning on that one. Probably. Also, I get the impression, I don't know if he goes on other people's podcasts. I think if you you want to do a podcast with Joe Rogan, you got to go to him. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, with that, our, we're out of shameless plugs. And we still haven't ever tried to sell you anything, because that's not who we are yet. We, have, we should get Man Buns and Jesus merch. I want a t-shirt with our faces on it. Oh, man. We should stop before I have any more bad ideas. Uh, brothers and sisters, go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Be to God.